Here we go. You're listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this December the 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2021. Now, we only have tomorrow, and then we're taking off about a week. KFUO is going to be playing music during the Christmas season, and we'll be back the first Friday in January. But what we need to share with you is that, oh, about four weeks ago, we told you we were around $7,000 short of expenses. We're now only down around $3,000 short of expenses for the year, and we only have tomorrow left on the radio. So if you at all are able to send law and gospel, because that's what helps us, a check, you make it out to law and gospel, and you send it to law and gospel, post office box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Do not make out the check uh, to Concordia Mission Society or to Pastor Tom Baker or to KFUO because this is for law and gospel remaining on the air. So that's what we wanted to just share with you. We're very close to meeting our goal for this year, and we would appreciate any checks you might be able to send. On Wednesdays, oh, some weeks ago, we started a study on the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is really a study on God's wisdom. Solomon begins by talking to his son, and he does this in 10 addresses. This is the second address of the 10, from father to son. It's Proverbs 2, 1 to 15. So this is really important especially for parents today, because it appears that many young people, when they leave home, when they go to school, especially college, they hear quite a different worldview than the biblical worldview. And so parents have the task of preparing their children for being able to, well, fight against the words of Satan that often are contrary uh, to the Bible. Well, they're always contrary to the Bible, the words of Satan. I mean, yes, you can become like Adam and Eve and know the difference between good and evil, but that's where they thought they would become like God. And that's really behind all sin is we want to replace God with our view. The book of Proverbs replaces our view with God's view. I I believe that's the intention of every sermon, is to help you to think like God thinks. And that's why just knowing the Bible verse or the Bible passage isn't sufficient. You need to know what it means. Why did God put it in the Bible. So that's what we do on Sunday mornings, 
is we give the explanation from God as to why a particular passage was in the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit given to the prophets and the apostles. So, Proverbs 2, 1 to 15. My son, if you receive my words, and so that's how it starts. Now, obviously Solomon is using his son to speak about the wisdom of the world. But the bigger picture is God is the one speaking to you, his child. And so therefore the words that follow are really how we follow the wisdom of God. The first thing is, if you receive my words. Now, that was the Old Testament. Where do we receive the words of God? It's the Bible. I mean, how many times have you heard that the Bible is the word of God? Because it speaks what Jesus wants us to hear. Remember that road of Emmaus? He went through and taught where he is found everywhere in the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. So if you receive my words, and receiving the words means more than, let's say, getting a Bible. It means to acknowledge the words of God and understand them properly. In other words, Solomon continues with the next phrase, and treasure up my commandments with you. That really means to store up his commandments within you. And that is an act of faith. What do we mean by that? Well, when God gave the commandments, it wasn't that we would be able to make him our God. No, he already was our God. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, when you have that relationship with me that I have set up, that I have initiated, then you will not have any other gods before me. You will not take my name in vain. You will remember the day of worship for me. You'll honor your father and mother. Each of the commandments is a result of your having become a believer with the wisdom of God. And so we treasure up his commandments within us. When we obey his commandments as a Christian, that doesn't get us to heaven. No, we're already on the way to heaven because God has given us faith, either by hearing the word of God or in baptism. Going on with verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. That means bring your ear to attention when you hear the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of men. How many young people fall away from the church because they listen to peer pressure? We've already indicated the three reasons why young people follow their peers in sin. Number one, it's fun. They get excited about it. Number two, 
Well, they have companionship with their peers that they may not have with their parents or if they have brothers and sisters. And number three, some of the things that they are enticed to do will make them wealthy. So that's where the sin of the world comes in, in motivating them along these lines. Instead, be attentive to wisdom and incline your ear to understanding. Now, that means that just reading the Bible isn't sufficient. You need to understand the Bible. Uh, For example, there are, believe it or not, religious people, when they talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, you know what they say? That is an example that we are to follow. We need to really serve others, even if it means our death, because through that, we will save ourselves. Now, that's a bunch of nonsense. There's no doubt we are to serve others. Second part of the commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. But it doesn't merit your salvation. It still is salvation that is inherited as a gift from God. And so talking about inclining your ear to understanding means to use scripture, interpreting scripture to discover what the understanding of a particular passage is. That's also helpful in knowing the distinctions between law and gospel. Verse three, yes, if you call out for insight. Now, that's the point we've been trying to make. You can have the Bible memorized. Remember, there were some scholars at the time of Jesus who had the Bible memorized, the Old Testament, but they rejected Jesus as the Savior. In other words, they did not have the insight of the Old Testament passages in order to realize that Jesus was a fulfillment of the many promises. And so Solomon says, raise your voice for understanding. Now, what that means is I've had a lot of adult instruction classes, and I love people to raise their voice with questions, because a lot of times the questions will lead to wisdom about how we are to understand reality. So they call out for insight, raise their voice for understanding. In fact, you should look to wisdom in the same way verse four says that you seek silver or money and search for it as for hidden treasures. So wisdom is not something that automatically is found in the mind, even of a believer. There's no doubt that faith begins to believe things that you did not believe prior to your becoming a believer, but you still grow in wisdom, still grow 
in understanding, still grow in insight. That's true even about Jesus. At 12 years old, he was asking questions of those in the temple that were quite amazing to the individuals. What kind of questions might he ask? Uh, For example, in the very first chapter of Genesis, he may have asked, well, how come the word God is in the plural, but the verbs that follow God, Elohim, are in the singular? Well, that's because God says, let us make man in our image. Well, who's the us? See, most people think it's God and the angels, but the angels are not part of why you were created. No, God did all the creation. And it's very clear that according to the Gospel of John, nothing was created that was not created by Jesus Christ. So we find an insight from John and we put it back on Genesis 1 that Jesus is the third verse of the Bible where he says, let there be light. So when you treasure up the commandments, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your ear to understanding, call out for insight, raise your voice for answering questions, and seek wisdom like you seek silver, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And the word Lord, each word, each, each letter is capitalized, which refers to the name of God, Yahweh, that Moses was given on Mount Sinai at the burning bush. You will understand the fear of the Lord. You should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, Martin Luther says. And that attitude of fear is not only one where you're afraid of God sending you to hell, but it's kind of the fear that when your parents tell you to do something, like cut the lawn, you enjoy going out to cut the lawn so you can show to them, look, here's what I did at your command. And so there's a fear in cutting the lawn that if you don't cut it, you may be, you know, punished. But that fear is taken away as you do the words of the Lord and you find the knowledge of God. That's verse 5. In fact, that can be a summary capitalized of everything in the book of Proverbs. You read the book of Proverbs to find the knowledge of God. Why? Verse 6, for the Lord, again, Yahweh, gives wisdom. Now, how does he give you wisdom? Do you feel it in yourself? Is it part of your emotions? No. Verse 6 continues, from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. Well, what is the mouth of the Lord today? It's the Holy Bible. That's where the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth, the Bible, comes knowledge and understanding. 
That, that happens each time a pastor goes to the hospital, meets with his member, members in the bed, maybe going to have surgery, and the pastor gives a Bible study and a prayer that helps the person, the patient, come to proper understanding of what is happening from God's point of view. He's there to help, and he will what? Verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Now, that means when you are in need of hearing the word of God, he stores up his wisdom for the upright. Notice the non-upright, those who are not straight, those who are not on the path of God, they don't get to store up wisdom because they don't hear it. They've already rejected it through their unbelief. But God, for those who are believers, stores up sound wisdom. And it says, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now, what's the word shield mean? It's found elsewhere in the Bible. Remember, in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. And part of it that the Christian wears is a shield. Now, what's the purpose of the shield? It says it very clearly, to defend against the darts of the devil. So how is the word of God a shield? Remember Jesus when he was being tempted by the devil? Three items that were told of, there were probably more, but how did he use the word of God as a shield? He quoted from the Bible all three of his challenges against Satan's temptation. They were from the book of Deuteronomy. And that's how we use God's word as a shield against the devil. And he says, when you do that, God will guard the paths of justice and watch over the way of the saints. Now, the word saint in verse 8 refers to the godly ones, and it's the only time it's used in the book of Proverbs. But that's for whom the book of Proverbs was written, was for the godly ones, so that they can continue to learn the wisdom of God. And when that happens, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Now, what does that mean? Well, you're going to be righteous, not because of your own good works, but because of the works of Jesus Christ. And he justly paid the price for your sins. And therefore, you will be upright when you believe that through faith in Jesus Christ. And you will be on the good path. That's what verse 9 says. Remember the two paths? There's the broad path for the unbeliever, because that's the easy one, thinking that God rewards you for your works. But there's the narrow path where you are rewarded by the works of Jesus Christ. And in that way, wisdom, verse 10, will come into your heart. 
Now that word heart appears 99 times in the book of Proverbs because it's more than the seat of emotions. It's the source of proper emotions and insight. And therefore, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That's a promise God makes. And do I ever see that in Bible studies, where you give insights that people have never heard before about a passage? But they can read the passage, and they understand that's a proper insight. And it is pleasant to hear. It follows, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Now, that's God himself, because wisdom is discretion. Now, the word discretion means more than just insight. It also means foresight. So when you read God's word, he not only has you attentive to wisdom, but he also helps you to understand the future if you do or don't follow wisdom. That's what foresight is. And so you get a foresight of not doing something because of the evil consequences. It continues with verse 12, that wisdom will deliver you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness and rejoice in doing evil with delight in the perverseness of evil. So that's what the wisdom will do. When you are baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that you are delivered from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, from those who have taken leave of the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. The paths of uprightness, walking in the ways of darkness, that's the law. The gospel is that you will be delivered from that way of evil. So we have law and gospel throughout the book of Proverbs. The law is we are to forsake the paths of uprightness. We are not to listen to those who walk in the ways of darkness or rejoice in doing evil or delight in the perverseness of evil. Therefore, it's very interesting that when Solomon writes about the law telling us to be delivered from the way of evil, he also gives the gospel that we will be delivered from that way of evil. Then you have the last verse that we'll be looking at in Proverbs 2, which is the second address of 10 addresses that the father gives to the son. He writes, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Now, you may remember that word crooked. 
it comes about in the teaching of what John the baptizer spoke of, that he would make straight the crooked ways. It's the same concept. So what Solomon is writing for wisdom is that do not enjoy the people who are doing evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. What does that mean? They have an ulterior motive in what they are doing. For example, you may like your school teacher, but you give her a present at Christmas, not so much because of your love of Jesus, but because you want to have good grades. And so you're nice to the boss a lot of times and don't say to him what you say to others about your boss that you don't like. And therefore you are devious in your ways, in saying things that get people to do what you want them to do, even though it's very clear that that is not the word of God. So in this second address of Solomon to his sons, we hear the address of wisdom, God himself to you and me, that call out for his insight, raise your voice for understandings, so that you'll not follow the crooked paths. Join us tomorrow on Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.